0: From the far-reaching corners of the police state we call Gitmo Nation, it's time for your weekly quest to ask not what you can do for your country, but what your government is doing to you. From Gitmo Nation West in Southwest London, in the Curry Terrace,
1: I'm Adam Curry. And the West version, I'm John C. Dvorak here in Silicon Valley North. Uh, I, I think that's your new catchphrase. You're going to use that from now on. I've
0: got two. I've got the. Uh, I like the. Uh, ask not what your government is doing. Uh, ask not what you can do for your right. country. What your government is doing for you. And I have a new one. Uh, which is not, not an original, but I love it. Capitalism without bankruptcy is like religion without hell. No, that's a good one. Yeah. But I don't know what it's got to do with the show. but Nothing. Yeah. That's why I didn't use it. But it's, it's, <laughs> it's a new catchphrase, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> hey, John, how are you? Good. It's
1: been raining. Oh, really? Well, you deserve some out there, I guess. Well, yeah. I suppose it's probably true. We needed it, actually. If it was going to be a long, hot January. I mean, it was like 75 for about a Ten days in a row. Mm, it's been cold here,
0: dude. It's uh, we, we had a. It's it actually it's been all over the map. We had all of a sudden we had a day when we had uh, or like two days of uh, ten to twelve degrees centigrade, and now it's
1: back down. It's uh, really chilly. And uh, New York has similar weather. Uh, I've been watching. I've been watching the news on WPIX. Oh, sl- Slingbox. No, it turns out that the Dish Network has. <laughs> oh, not isn't
0: that there. Channel Eleven? WPIX. Yeah, yeah, I used to watch that all the time when we lived in New York. It's uh, yeah. one of the. I think it's. Is it still an independent station, or is it? Is yeah, it now yeah, the, yeah, nothing. Yeah, no, they got <laughs> They get nothing. You know, I don't know how they stay alive. Independent television is go, so going down the tubes. Here in the uh, in the United Kingdom, we have so we have BBC One and Two, and there's also three, but the, the main ones are One and Two, and then we have um, Channel Four, which has a very interesting business model. It's um, public service broadcasting, yet they have commercials. <laughs> uh, it's crazy uh and uh and they are losing 100 million pounds a year and so well, for-
1: they should stop the commercials it might help
0: <laughs> and so uh you know now there's kind of like this race going on because we have one other uh real full-blown terrestrial i think it's terrestrial broadcaster channel five or five as they call it which is owned by rtl and so well, what's Go ahead. what's thames that's a I thought Thames Television was more like a production. I don't. I, I don't know honestly. What's ITN? Well, we have ITV. Oh, okay. What's I, what's Sky? Well, Sky is is uh, is Dish. I'm talking really about terrestrial broadcast. Okay. And uh, so they've been talking about merging the commercial Channel Five with the half-assed, half-commercial, half-state-run Channel Four but i think what's going to happen is they're going to be assimilated by the bbc uh bbc worldwide it's crazy man everyone's just doing whatever they can what's bbc 3 that's also that's uh that's a full-fledged bbc i what do they do though actually they have the most interesting programs that's really the uh, kind of the alternative channel that's where you'll find things like the mighty Bush and uh real uh, alternative off the wall comedy um that's about it. They, and they don't have a full twenty four hour broadcast schedule. They go off the air and they don't come on until six or seven in the evening. Hmm.
1: So I don't, so I don't know. It's six or seven in the evening.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah. They they have no daytime programming, as far as I know. Huh. And um, yeah, it's, it's, but it's great. You know, we're getting all these new digital channels. Yeah. Don't know what we're going to fill them with. <laughs> but they're coming.
1: American crap. Uh,
0: mm. Well, Channel 4 is already filled with, um, you know, that's the station that does the Big Brother shows, and I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, and all that. Mm. And they still lose 100 million pounds
1: a year. <laughs> How do you do it? I don't think the market's big enough to sustain all those channels there. Mm. No, I think- maybe people don't listen to the t- watch the TV. Well, you have to pay. You have to have a license. You know, I think I guess some of our listeners know this, and all the British do. But you actually have to have a license to own a TV. It's like owning a gun. Yeah, you. when you go into
0: a store, even if you go into the Sainsbury's supermarket and buy a television or a radio, um, you immediately have to fill out uh, all of your details, and, and and they have commercials running about this, which I'll tell you in a second, but you fill out all your details, and you have to pay, I believe it's 157 pounds a year. It's less if you only have a radio, uh, and you don't have a television, and, uh, what they, they run these commercials all the time, which are really scary. Like, don't think you can get away without paying for your TV license because it's in the database.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Seriously. It's in the database. We know where you live. You cannot get away from it.
1: And, you have to pay for every TV. Te- well, if you have two TVs, you have to pay twice as much. No, you only have to pay for, uh, f- uh, for one.
0: Just if you have a TV and then you can have as many as you want in, uh, in the house, TV
1: and radio. Now they have these. I know they used to do this years ago, but I don't. Do they still do this? Where they had these these trucks with these giant uh, kind of uh, dish uh, dishes on the top that can aim at your house and tell if you have a television. Yeah. Inside? Oh
0: yeah, they have them. They have those. That's what they, they, they. Well, I think they used to use those. Now
1: it's in the database, so you can't get away from it. Well, how's it going to be in the database if you just, you know, if you got it. Let's say I have a bootleg television set somehow that I had a license up in northern uh, England, and then I come down and I just cancel it and moved. Well, I've had the benefit of of moving a couple times. And,
0: you know, you have to go online and transfer um, your license to a new address. But already, you know, before I'd even done that, I was getting uh, mail At the new address saying, uh, you have to have a license, you know, we'll come and check, you know, all this kind of semi-threatening language. So, um... I don't know if they—they they probably just will go by any house and knock on the door and say, "Do you have a television? If you don't, if you don't have a license for it, it according to the—well, just tell days. them
1: to sod off."
0: <laughs> yeah, dude, the, you know that uh, repo guys even have the um, have the right now to break and enter into your house and take away your, any shit they they deem they call it a bailiff here, but it's basically the repo man. They're allowed to break and enter and take away your shit. So I'm sure that. Uh, you can try the sawed-off thing, but it won't. It won't fly.
1: Well, uh, can you just have a TV in there? Say, look it, but yeah, but it's not on. I don't use no, it. No, no, no. You have to have a license if you own one. See, this is just you know, it's onerous, but at the same time, it seems like it's just a tax. Well, yeah, but it's a voluntary tax because you don't have
0: to have a television. The thing that's yeah. stupid because it's it's a separate bill which i like but what's lame is that you know people don't utilize you know there's there's no real recourse you know you you should be able to say hey you know what it's not the value for money fuck you i'm not going to pay it or you know or people should should organize and say let's just stop paying the bbc but they don't do that because i figured something out john it's it hit me 12 years ago. We had a very similar situation, in the or there was a similar situation in the United Kingdom as to the United States is going through right now. We had this fresh young guy come in, and he was going to save everything and new labor, and it's going to be fantastic. And, yeah, you know, sure, he's going to hang a couple cameras up, but it's all for our protection. And the place has become a complete police state, and, and people have no way out of it. <laughs> There's, you can't protest legally. There's all kinds of stuff. And uh, and that's what uh, well you can look forward to that in
1: uh, in the United States uh, in the next at least in the next four years it'll get started. Well, apparently Obama's already like uh, snapped at the reporters who asked him a question when it wasn't allowed to. Oh,
0: yes. dude, have, I've been watching the uh, the live coverage. C-SPAN is my new favorite channel. It used to be CNBC, now it's C-SPAN. And uh, I saw the first press conference with the new press. Uh, what is this press secretary? I guess Robert yeah. Gibbs. Oh man. The press are going to eat this guy alive. I hope they're going to eat this guy alive because, you know, all of this freedom, you know, the first the first press conference, he didn't have it under control. He really didn't. And and he, you know, you can see him searching and trying because he has to be very careful, right? He's got to he's all every word he says has to be chosen so carefully and he's letting people ask three follow-up questions and, you know, that he just digs himself into a hole. And uh, this whole Freedom of Information Act, which is not a uh, an executive order, but it's a memorandum um, that that Obama put into place. Like, oh yeah, we're going to honor the Freedom of Information Act now, and so everyone's drilling down. So, what does that mean? You know, can we really get answers? And uh, I, I, if the press is any good, which is questionable, ah. <laughs> which is <laughs> questionable, but you know, also they're they're refusing to. Um, uh to allow pictures that haven't been taken by the white house staff photographer and there's background information and the the press is not allowed to release the names of the people who are telling or giving the background
1: information to reporters it's already secrecy has started transparency my ass well I, the thing is obama's kind of a, a a a newbie a lightweight almost an amateur he doesn't know how to deal with the to press except during this during that period where they were all on his side yeah exactly and now it's like hey i thought you guys were my friends Mm. well he did his first um his weekly
0: address you know the president typically does a a radio address and so he's doing his youtube address god man it's it's sad so not only is he reading which People are going to catch on to this. I hope one eventually will say, you know, the guy's just reading, but he's they don't have a teleprompter on these, at least not yet on this weekly thing. So he's looking to the left of the camera and, you know, they're even cutting it because he clearly fucked up. And, you know, <laughs> it's
1: like, oh, whoops, <laughs> let's just do a little a zoom cut there. Wait, and- wait, wait. This is his address to the to the. To the nation. that national address, and he's he's not looking into the camera? No, he's looking off to the side. Go to whitehouse.gov. You can see it. He's looking off to he's the not, side. Who, who's he looking at? He's supposed to be looking at the public. No, he's, looking, he's, at he's looking at a cue card. Well, obviously. <laughs> he's going to have to learn how to read off of a sheet of
0: paper in front of him. How about saying some words that actually come from his heart and he's sincere about? It? It's just an idea. <laughs> it's a concept, you know, just a, just a, the, um, yeah. you know, just just a thought, you know, why don't you sit there and just say what you actually think, dude. Yeah,
1: no, we're going to get notes. Oh, you guys are bashing Obama. Yes, I am. That's correct. Absolutely. So, uh, hey, by the way, you know the question on my mind is: Which Obama are we talking about? Are we talking about the first president they swore in, or the second <laughs> Obama that they swore in secretly? I, I who's was a different guy.
0: You know, a different guy. Oh, I hadn't heard that one yet. That's good, John. Is a different guy. How do you figure? he's a different guy. Why would they have to swear him in a second time? When when I saw the inauguration and I and the first so first I'm I think I sent you a text message. I'm laughing my ass off. I'm like the one time the guy has to do something without a prompter, he had to memorize 8 lines, he messed it up. And because he messed it up, because he messed it up because he he didn't know, he he couldn't repeat the second line of uh, uh of the oath and then Justice Roberts, Roberts then, then he, then yeah. he got, yeah, he totally fell apart, and uh, and I was like, oh my god, and I was like, you know, that's definitely going to hound the guy. But the thing is, and this, this is what's bugging a lot of people is, then he he got sworn in again. There were no video crews, only a staff photographer, and no Bible. I don't know if there's a significance there, but he was he w- did not have his hand on a Bible.
1: Well, my guess is that the, he wanted to do that Lincoln Bible thing. Yeah. They took the Bible back after he did the thing because it's a valuable document that's in, owned by one of the museums or somewhere. Yeah, they, they, they couldn't Library get it of out. Congress. I don't know who has the thing. But anyway, they, they obviously he's not taking it home. And so they, that thing disappeared. So they had to go do this again because Roberts was freaked out that it would become some sort of an issue and he'd be embarrassed. Mm-hmm. So they went, and, although they could have just brought in the, the second Obama, and then sworn him in, and he's actually going to be the president. The second Obama. No, the thing is, that, you know, I wonder how many Obama doubles we got in here. It's
0: like uh, King young King uh, Kim Jong-il. It's like we got a whole slew of them. This, the real Obama. Was, that's a good one, John. Thank you. Uh, I like that. But I was looking at the, at the first Obama being sworn in. That uh, Lincoln Bible doesn't look like it was used very much. Did you notice that? If if you well, look, it, no, but yeah, seriously, no, it looked like it was new. Yeah, it did. If you look at the not not the the binding, but the pages itself, look completely fresh cut, and certainly didn't look
1: over 150 years old. Well, obviously, what had happened? I'm guessing. I'm sure there's a story to be told about the Bible. Lincoln swore in on that Bible, and then they made it immediately oh, made it, it a collectible, right, and put it, put, it, put it aside, so it hasn't been oh, that actually even
0: used. Yeah. What is the significance of the swearing in on the Bible? Is, uh, is, that, uh, is that necessary? Has there ever been a president who has not been sworn in on the Bible?
1: Um, I think they've all been sworn in on a Bible, but I don't think it's necessary. It doesn't make, I don't think there's any. There's no mention in the Constitution of being sworn in on a Bible. They just have to make the oath. Right. I was reminded of these people who. Uh, I was in a, a couple. Of, I used to. When I used to work for uh, the government, we used to have these <laughs> cases and, and you'd put these juries together, and there'd always be some. Usually some foppish weirdo that would. Ne- that refused to be sworn in. <laughs> the, and the jury. They said, Would you like to be. They said, I'd rather be affirmed. And so there's this one guy we always knew it was going to be trouble too. This was this character. We were, it was an air pollution case against some somebody, mm-hmm. and it was like this guy. One guy. He was a uh, a music teacher who called himself a singer, and he 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 came in. He was a skinny guy. He was like one of those, a petite male, as my wife likes to describe him. <laughs> who came into the courtroom wearing these kind of Bermuda shorts yeah. and a suit and tie, or jacket and tie. So you have to imagine, jacket and tie, Bermuda shorts, socks and regular shoes, and very thin. And he comes in and he said, and when he's asked what he does, he goes, I'm a singer. <laughs> so, so we're going, oh, God, this guy's oh going to be a problem. So yeah. anyway, but so and so when it came to being sworn in, this guy had, couldn't be sworn in. He had to be affirmed. <laughs> wow. You have to be sworn in or affirmed, and he. And you know, so they had to interrupt everything so this guy can get his, you know, be one, the one guy being affirmed. Be affirmed.
0: Is it just me or was the oath for the vice president twice as long as the oath for the president? I didn't see it at all. You didn't watch the inauguration.
1: I only watched the speech,
0: uh, which was written by a twenty-seven-year-old punk in a Starbucks.
1: You know, I, I don't know whether they. I think the guys must have run out of material. That speechwriter he had is this twenty-seven-year-old guy kid, yeah, who gave Obama some of his best speeches. I think Obama wrote that thing. I think Obama. No, no, no. There,
0: there was a whole article. He said that he wrote it, but that Obama gave him kind of the direction, and and then he. Well, he, I think he he's lost together. it then. Yeah. Well, what I did, what I took huge offense to was uh, the line that said basically, uh, "It's all our fault." <laughs> it's everybody's fault. I'm like, no, no, it's not our fault the you know the the
1: the state of the economy, yeah, I agree like, no. it's not everybody's fault. we don't use credit cards we've been very responsible yes. we, I have a know, small to
0: medium business you know we we don't uh, go to the government for handouts we uh
1: we work yeah, we haven't been abusing anything. I <clears throat> wish I would have yeah. well, you know in hindsight, you know we got screwed yeah you, you just wait until they start
0: reducing people's principal on their mortgages. that's when the shit will hit the fan. I do want to, I do want to, um, I want you to take a look at a link for a second here, because this will freak you out. Hold on, I'm going to Skype it to you. This is from CNN.
1: Uh, Hold on, where's my, uh, where's Skype? Here we go. So the, uh, while you're doing that, so I guess the the big news in England from our perspective is a woman over there letting her three-year-old smoke. Um. It, yeah, I've seen the story, but it's not dominating the
0: news at all. Mm. But um, take a look at this link, John, this video, and eight yeah. seconds into it, I want you to see the UFO that flies from right oh, to left. Oh, I saw this. We blogged this. We oh, blogged really? It. You blogged it? That looks oh, yeah. like an actual UFO. It looks like a scratch on the camera lens. No way. I freeze-framed this thing, man. It's not a scratch. It's a flying object that goes right in front, halfway down the, uh, uh, what do you call the? Washington Monument. Washington Monument, sorry. On the, on the camera side, and it flies right by. And, and, you know, I don't know, man, but that looked, either it was some incredibly fast, stealth military <laughs> aircraft.
1: Uh, it was not a bird, and I don't think it was No, it a plane. was not a bird, but I think it was an anomaly. Well, I don't know. I mean, how come nobody saw it Well, well, until they made this video? And where's the other videos of it? And it's only a spot. No. It's not like it has legs or anything. No, it's like a
0: fast-flying disc. That's the way I saw it. it
1: Hold on, hold on. We we
0: got our jingles, uh, John. They finally came in. Jingles? I'm not hearing any jingles. (laughs) <laughs> Hold on, I'll play the other cut.
1: <laughs> A moment in our history. Obama. At this defining moment, change
0: has come to America. A government of the people, by the people, and for the people has not perished from the earth. This is your victory. We are and always will be the yeah, United I've already States heard of, these of America.
1: You've heard this? Yeah, yeah, they're floating around all over the place. Well, I I love this. <laughs>
0: <Obama>. <laughs> Welcome to Obama FM, everybody. I'm Ace A to the C here in London Town,
1: and we got JCD over there in uh, California. Yay. <laughs> How you doing, Johnny boy? <laughs> Obama Town.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I know they got these guys. Have got to back off. These you know these freelancers that are doing this stuff—it's going to be embarrassing eventually. Well, I've been showing as many of those crazy clips as possible on Mevio Daily of those uh, of the celebrity pledges. Oh yeah, I pledge, I pledge, I pledge. <sighs> like these guys, who, I like to see how many people even turn off their lights. Those clowns. I mean, you're talking about multimillionaires like uh, Ashton K- Kutcher and his wife. Yeah. Uh, you know, and go oh, they're going to do this and that. They're not going to do anything.
0: Well, no, they, but this pledge like to to. Uh, Conserve on use of plastic by drinking less water.
1: Well, less water from a plastic, which by the way has got to kind con- <laughs> was We just went to the gourmet food show that was in San Francisco, the fancy food show. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sure that the people who this is, you know, th- this year there's a number of themes that people can expect to see. One thing, the salt thing has fallen off the face of the earth. That's not happening as much as it was. A they, tried, years ago. Th-
0: they tried that, right? It, it just didn't really catch. Mm, it, it had, no, it had not a, not a peak. It had a
1: peak. It had a peak. Yeah, it's yeah. gone. There wasn't any salt vendors, oh. uh, but there was like tons and tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of chocolate. I mean, it's like everybody who can heat a pot is making chocolate. So mm. it was that was a little annoying. Well,
0: cocoa. It's funny you say that because cocoa. The price of cocoa has exploded. I was just reading that today. Hold on, let me see if I can find it. And you wonder why? Well, so that's the question.
1: Is it because everyone wants it? Because they're using it? It's because all these co- chocolate companies, my wife excused it as, well, you know, when you have, financial, when you have a financial downturn, people need chocolate. <laughs> there you need go. A lot of Cocoa
0: prices at 24-year high above 2,000 pounds per tonne.
1: There you go. That's pretty well, crazy. It was, it was obvious to me that the rationale for that is this show indicate as as a trend. I mean, the show indicates trends. I go to there and look at trends, and this the trend was chocolate. So everybody and, and you know all these different chocolate companies, and they're just you know, yeah, some of it's good. So I mean, how much chocolate can you? Can your stomach? There was tea flavored chocolate. It was was there's one company that specializes in flavor, weird flavored chocolates? You know, hot chilies, you know, green tea, you know, things in the chocolate, and you mm. eat the chocolate, and it would, you know. And tea was the other thing that was hot, uh, which has been a trend for a number of years. But but it's uh, but, but flavored, lo- flavored teas, right? Not not just traditional, good old fashioned. Yeah, tea. flavored tea, yeah. sparkling tea. There's uh. some company called White Star making a spark. By the way, which is tasty but way too expensive. Um, and there's just a lot of different kinds of tea, tea uh, flavored this and tea flavored that. and lot. But anyway, so there's all, but then again, the, one of the biggest thing is these flavored waters in these plastic bottles, which is one of the other big trends. And there's all kinds of, you know, just one company after another with, I think, like one of them called Hint. There's the name of the water company. And the I, and the thing is, it's regular water, but it's got some, it's got like a drop of some weird flavor in it. In it. And you, t- you, you have, in other words, you get a hint of mint, you know, kind no, of thing. No. So, so anyway, but but I'm watching that video that you were talking about, which was on the blog, and we could probably reset it. Yeah. And, uh, and they go on and on about, the you know, not using these plastic bottles. And meanwhile, there's one company that came out, and the name of the water is called Help. <laughs> and it's like it, they donate almost all their profits to charities. Mm-hmm. And so they're obviously, you know, they're just like there's the conflict for the – for the for people out there, it's like uh, uh, I mean I can just see somebody shorting out, trying to decide whether they could buy this water since it's in a plastic bottle. Uh. But uh, anyway, it was an interesting show.
0: And, but that was it. There was a, a chocolate is the trend, and
1: salt chocolate, is out, and that's it. And water, chocolate, tea, water, and there's all well the other trends that I was pointing out to me by the PR woman was the uh, there's a, a downsizing of uh, of. Um, like chocolate bars, they have these big giant bars, and now they're going to make smaller, smaller ones. Bars, yeah, and and kids. How about you know? uh, peanut butter? That must have been really popular at the show. <laughs> <laughs> There's never peanut butter's never really been popular. Salmonella
0: in a can, everybody. You're welcome. So they to have, it.
1: but the other thing was they have these kids like water for kids, tea for kids. Please. They're trying to introduce tea to kids, and but it was just going to be decaffeinated. They say, sure. uh, well, although I don't think it makes any difference. So they're trying to make kid get. Kids, hooked. children in, hooked tea. on tea. Yeah. Well, you know, you could in the UK, they're just they're
0: a little easier. Just teach your kid to smoke. <laughs> that sounds like a it. bogus story, by the way. It sounds that's just it's just a bogus. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not really. Uh, not really buying it. We liked the story. We blogged it. Well, of course. Um, big story which only got. Uh, as far as I can tell, only got press on uh, CNBC who broke it about uh, John Thane. Is it Thane or Thane? The uh, Merrill Lynch CEO just got kicked out. You know, I don't
1: never heard his name pronounced.
0: I think they were saying Thane. So, um, only a few days after Merrill Lynch received their first billions in bailout money, he redecorated his office. Did oh, right, <laughs> for one point two million dollars including yeah. a $32,000 toilet.
1: Yeah. but the kicker, yeah, What are these guys thinking? Well, the kicker is that... Um, the No the, wonder these guys brought down the economy. These guys are idiots. Of course. And But
0: that was with our money, which is kind of upsetting. But Lord, the, the kicker of yeah. the story is that um, the designer, the interior decorator who did this, is the same guy who just redecorated uh, for the Obamas in the White House. Hmm. Who is this guy? Uh, let me look up his name. By the way, uh let me see. Ba, 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 ba.
1: I wonder what the why
0: <laughs> What? Oh nothing. No. Go ahead, say it.
1: Nah. Oh now you've got me intrigued. I'm just wondering what, the, what, what calls they're going to make in the White House to, to personalize it for Michelle's taste. Michael S. Smith, known among society's
0: higher echelon for his makeover of Bel Air Estates and Malibu beach houses and the client list that includes Dustin Hoffman and Rupert Murdoch, was chosen just last week to redesign the Obamas' private quarters at the White House. The Obamas got a deal, hundred grand versus the eight hundred grand paid by Mr. Tain. Bandit.
1: Huh. Well, well this is a deal.
0: Fifteen thousand why, dollars. Why are
1: they paying a hundred grand of the taxpayers money here? Just when he just first gets in office and we're trying to cut back on this sort of thing, can't they just make do and then you know, maybe <laughs> yeah. spend the money later? <laughs> it's
0: part of the perks that, that, you know, they, they're comparing Obama to FDR. But, you know, FDR, when he was inaugurated, he had a plate of cold chicken, you know, to be to, for solidarity. And the Obamas, I think they had a really nice, you know, five-course meal at, the, at Blair House, you know. It's, but, of course, that was the other Obama. Yeah, you don't know
1: which Obama it is anymore. <laughs> and us, one uh, of the and, stunt doubles.
0: And us uh, schleps here around the world, uh, certainly in Europe, can be happy to know that uh, McDonald's is expanding with 240 new restaurants, 12,000 new jobs. They're totally in
1: the lift. Yeah, well, they would be in, during these kinds of economic times where people need to eat one-buck hamburgers Yeah, for no, dinner. It's, it's sad. Yeah, FDR was uh, pretty good at uh, staying on the course. Was he truly? What are you talking about? I was watching, listening to something the other day, and they're talking about why I think this is bef- just before he got inaugurated, or not inaugurated, before he got sworn in. The um, about Obama deserving already, without spending one minute in office, already should be on Mount Rushmore. <laughs> yeah. Does that mean we have to retool someone or we
0: just make a new head?
1: How does that work? I think we, I think we could get, take Roosevelt and <laughs> re- retool him, right? Because <laughs> he's got the big fat head and he could be pounded down to Obama.
0: Uncle Fester just twittered, the Lincoln Bible was procured new... I guess, new, it says, for Abe's inauguration, his family Bible was unavailable. It was archived and not used again until the 20th of January 2009.
1: So that's our answer. There you go. Yeah, you're right. we got people out there helping. Highly appreciated. It's a resource. The public's a resource. Certainly. Especially when we have no material. Well, i got plenty of material. Okay, well, what? Well, I... (laughs) That's it. We're done. It was great
0: talking to you, John. 28 minutes, well, we'll shortest show we've ever week. done. <laughs> well, it seems like there's so
1: much, but you know, everything would come down to... Uh, well, we just can't sit here bitching about Obama. Exactly. That's, in that's the problem. But I will say this one thing. Gee, he gets in office, the next thing you know, two missiles go into Pakistan. Yeah, hey, and kill hey, 13
0: people. Voting. Yeah, I know. Uh, well, but but the whole thing is complacency on on the... On the part of the press, I mean, right now, if you go on the street and you say to the American public, uh, what has Obama done? They'll say, he closed Gitmo. We're no longer torturing. You know, please, please, I urge you, go read the, uh, <laughs> it please go me. read it because that's not true. You know, he's he's put a task force, which is, in all business, I hate task force because nothing ever comes of them. It's like a steering committee. Let's all grab the steering wheel and drive off the road
1: Well, this reminds me of when Ronald Reagan first ran for president. This was during, or president, for governor of the state of California. I'll never forget this. He would use a big uh, saber-rattler, and then at the same time he had a lot. You know, he was used to be a union organizer and a hard, you know, Franklin Roosevelt Democrat. So, you know, you can never quite eliminate some of these aspects of people's personalities if you've been on both sides of the uh, political spectrum. Mm. And so I always thought a lot of his stuff was bluster. And so I remember, I distinctly remember him coming into uh, California and, and threatening all his students were rioting it all over the place. And he says, I'm going to put a blue, I remember this, Blue Ribbon Committee headed by John McCone, who I guess was some CIA guy at the time. Uh And he kept talking about this Blue Ribbon Committee headed by John McCone to investigate this, you know, student unrest. He got elected, and that was the end of it. There was (laughs) was no Blue Ribbon ribbon Committee, committee, right? John McCone, I don't think, ever showed up. It was unbelievable. (laughs) Uh,
0: I would like to revisit uh, Flight 1549, which I... um, Oh, yes. Brought up
1: last week.
0: And, um,
1: because I showed, I, I remember, said, like, the first part of the week before they b- pulled up the uh, the engine, they showed a, a, a piece of metal with a hole in it on one of the news shows. And said, yeah, look, there's the- a feather stuck on it. <laughs> Something like
0: that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the report. Like, we found a feather, bird strike, totally clear. <laughs> but I'm sure you know that this exact aircraft had engine problems in flight two days before this. Right. Everybody reported that. Okay. And I have to just say again, why is there no audio available of the so-called distress call, this whole conversation he had, which is just, it's not there. It doesn't, it does not exist. There is no recording of him, of the, of the pilot saying we had a double bird strike. Uh, We were in trouble. There's none of it. It's just not there. So, And I'm not saying it's a, a government conspiracy, but it's just, it stinks. It absolutely stinks. And, of course, the uh, Sullenberger, the, the captain, was at the inauguration. The press uh, asked him questions. He said, no, I can't say anything. I'm not allowed to say anything, and I won't say anything.
1: Well, he's going to be interviewed on 60 Minutes on Sunday. Oh, okay, so here comes the spin. There you go.
0: So they've yeah, set him up. They've they've put they've put the chip in him. He knows what to say now. I just I'm just not
1: buying this bird strike. You know, I, I, well, what do you think it is? I mean, to just to intimidate those bankers that were on board.
0: Well, that, that's a, a that would be a very deep conspiracy. But there's a number of reasons why people would not want to have um, the thought that someone else was responsible for a plane crashing anywhere near New York. You know, that uh, I'm sure that if that if that was the story, that that could have Blown up the markets. It could have done a whole bunch of things. So I, I Man, can I can see know. where they'd want to spin that. Yeah, of course. Please, particularly with with bankers on
1: board. Whatever. I don't know. It'll come out in the uh, probably in about fifty years when they release the files. Another. Still, th- you know, still there's still that TWA flight. You know that that was hit by a missile. Yeah. By, <laughs> yeah. By, I mean that i 'm the conspiracy
0: theorist John
1: <laughs> well you know that that 's actually more of an interesting story, not because there was a missile that hit it it 's because of the number of people that have come forward that were that, that volunteered to testify to the FBI or whoever was investigating the uh, the, the accident, to say what they'd seen. And they were never called back. Nobody cared about it. They had to hold their minds were made up from the get-go. And that was the end. It was a tank that heated up and blew up. I mean, it never happened before. never happened since. But, you know, it was obviously it was a problem with the plane. Right. You mean kind of like uh,
0: buildings collapsing in free fall from uh, jet fuel that never happened into before?
1: In, into a perfect mess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, whatever. Well, that one, I'm not, you know, who knows? I mean, that one, they just a head shaker, but whatever the case, whatever the case is, there's a, we just don't get good information and nobody does any follow-ups and, you know, as soon as somebody comes up with, you know, something, uh, I mean, they, they try to find someone to ridicule, like during that, that, what's that flight, I think it's 700, whatever that TWA flight was. 700, yeah. Or was I remember, yeah, I think so. Yeah. And, and I remember the, uh, what's his name, the the Pierre Salinger, (laughs) Pierre Salinger apparently came out. You know they, they don't. Nobody needs this, so they. Pierre it was, it was eight hundred, by the way. Oh, flight eight hundred, yeah. right? Okay, whatever. So uh, Pierre Salinger comes out and He says, well, you know, it was struck by a missile, and there was pictures, and there was this, and there was that. Of course, it, he got it all from some crackpot's website. Mm-hmm. And so they, you know, he comes forward, and they get a, he gets a bunch, it gets a head of steam with people getting interested in it, and then they. They just go after him and with such a vengeance, it was like they humiliated him to death. He's an idiot for reading, you know, these kinds of websites, and they didn't have the facts. and mm-hmm. And I never seen a guy uh, hounded to oblivion as much as they did because he was the highest profile guy who came out and said anything. And, and who is he? Because
0: I've never heard his name before. He was the press secretary for John Kennedy. Ah, okay.
1: Okay, so he's a pretty famous guy. He was actually a very interesting press secretary while he was there, oh, right on. and uh, Pierre Salinger. And so he, uh, they just slammed the door on him, and it was pretty interesting to watch how how they can do that, whoever they are.
0: Yeah. Well, the um, the real problem, of course, is that there's you know um, the only real investigative journalism that was done, I guess, is really newspapers and that, the newspapers are in so much trouble. Uh, you know, they're now being bought up by rich dudes everywhere. What was the guy who just uh, put $200 million into the New York Times? Yeah, who was that? Um, I can find it. There's also the Evening Standard, the the last for pay... Where they saw it for a dollar. one, uh, No, a pound. <laughs> pound, oh. They should have done it for a euro, really. <laughs> it would have been more symbolic i <laughs> see there was an article about that today um who was it so some russian guy right uh xkgb actually and he says yeah. he wants to use it to expose um, moscow which is a sure way to get killed
1: yeah that is a sure way to get killed
0: yeah, yeah i got it here uh, alexander lebedev the nominal Lebed, yeah. sum of one pound. The Russian oligarch and former KGB lieutenant colonel said he would pump tens of millions of pounds into the London Daily, which has struggled with falling circulation and competition from free sheets. Mr. Lebedev also co-owns some Russian thing. I'm looking for the New York Times. I don't know where it is, but uh, yes. But you know, it's like all the. Is it, is it, so what, how does that work? I mean. Rich dudes just buy this up to promote their own agenda, or do they actually care? I mean, there's... there's this Isn't that
1: the way newspapers always have been, or at least since the turn of the century? I think the I, century? I need to get
0: me a column in a, in a newspaper here in the UK. I bet you I could get one, too. I bet you could get Probably one real could. easy and yeah, just get you yourself a column yeah just write do your, shit do your crazy
1: just do yeah, my just crazy my shit right yeah 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 yeah. that would be good the yeah, go way off the deep end like they the way the reason they throw you off the station in holland no remember if you ever read adam curry death by suicide by
0: cop suicide <laughs> it's, it's not true. true it's not true
1: by suicide. <laughs> i found a, a copy of the wave Hey, by the way, before you go there, let's stick with this for a second. Sure. Since we were talking about Pierre Salinger and all the Kennedy boys that were wiped out. Oh, you want to talk about Carolyn you, Kennedy. I think it's interesting during the right during the inauguration. Ted Kennedy has had, had like, a heart know, attack; like he went into convulsions. So they give him the you know they gave him okay, Ted. This is your special glass of wine. Wow, uh, <laughs> no, okay, that's have horrible. it's a, <laughs> a toast. That's horrible. Just, it just seems like they're trying to you know they're. I mean, the Kennedys have been you know essentially. Two things happen. One, Ted Kennedy has his heart attack, and the other one is Carolyn Kennedy, who was kind of a dingbat anyway. But she seems, you know, well-meaning. I've met she, her. She, she's sudden, not a dingbat. I've met her. She's quite nice, actually. She looks like she's nice. She yeah. has a really pleasant quality about her. It's hard to describe. And she uh, up, bails out on this thing for some unknown reason and won't say why, won't and say nobody why. can figure yeah. it out. And, yeah. you know, it's not about Ted. I think the Kennedys are, you know, I, I hate this. I don't want to sound like you, a kind of a. No, God forbid that would ruin the show. It would. But go ahead. But I remember once when I was a student at the University of California and, they, and the Pacific Film Archives had just opened up and they were showing the weirdest movies. And there's this one movie. I couldn't actually sit through the whole thing because it was like it was such an eye roller. But now I'm now I regret not having seen the whole thing or finding access to it to this day. And it was a crazy, crazy movie about how how all the different presidents of the United States represented. Uh, heads of various uh, criminal organizations, specifically mob organizations, and the Kennedys, in particular, were part of the. was I don't know if it was Genovese or Costello. I don't know which family it was, but they named the family. said who who are on the outs hmm. because they because it stemmed up from and they went back to the history of how you know. The family was a bunch of rum runners. I mean, they were they were in. Well, yeah, were,
0: that, that, that's where Joe Kennedy made his money right from uh, from right. bootleg
1: running, bootleg money. He was a bootleg uh, booze, yeah. And he was big, so he had to have he had to be connected. And so, and so the apparently, the, so the Kennedys had to be you know taken out of the picture completely because do, they, you, because mean, do, you, rec- this, do you
0: remember the name of this film? I wish. Hmm.
1: Because I'm sure you know this kind of shit is
0: on Google Video. I'm sure, of course, I would. (laughs) Carlos Carlos Slim is the guy who invested in the Times. Thank you, FinDom. So um,
1: anyway, so the
0: um, so so I've always
1: in the back of my mind ever since the Kennedys started getting you know pushed aside. Well, well, wait a minute.
0: Let me connect those dots for a second. So essentially. The Kennedys had to had, have to be eliminated, and they've done quite a reasonable job so far looking at the family history. And um, Carolyn Kennedy's ready ready to ascend to the Senate ste- seat, and they say, oh yeah, watch this. Here, Ted, have a glass of wine. That's the way I'd connect those dots you just gave me. Maybe. And, and then she's like, shit, I don't want a suicide by cop. I'm not going <laughs> to do this. But who is this woman that they um, that now has been brought in?
1: She's interesting because she's like kind of a, a, a Democrat or a, a Republican in Democrat clothing. She's pretty much politically a, uh, an old fashioned Republican that has, that is only interested in conservative, uh, 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 monetary policies. Uh, she's an NRA member, you know, big time gun user, hmm. which pisses off ha- almost all the Democrats. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they're so adamant about this. And, um, but she's you know for gay marriage, so she's kind of like you know there are a lot of Republicans that don't give a crap about gay marriage one way or the other, and those are I still consider the more mainstream, old fashioned Republicans that wouldn't let what happened during the Bush administration actually happen. You know they don't think that the Earth was made six thousand years ago right. and that kind of thing like these conservatives you know all believe or some or too many of them believe that and. Um, that's what she is, and so she's kind of a, a little bit of a uh, off the wall, and that you know that guy. Uh, I don't know why put, I mean, why she was chosen. She, there's a lot of republic or Democrats in New York say, State that are irked to to the, to the nth yeah. about this. Well,
0: no, 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 ki- no kidding, because she's a Republican. That's the first thing that's interesting about it.
1: Well, there was two things. One, she's a, well, she's a Democrat, and but she's a Republican in, in her philosophies. And the worst part is. She she won as a Democrat in a highly Republican area in the middle of nowhere, New, upstate New York, mm. and and that means they're not going to be able to get another person in there. So a Republican will probably end up with that seat because the Demo- there's no Democrat that has the, her types of politics to win up there. Well, so
0: let's trace it back one more step back to the Kennedys. Um, and
1: wait, wait a minute. One more thing. What what
0: about Andrew Cuomo? I thought he was. I thought he was the shoe in. Who also but was related to the Kennedys. Cuomo by marriage yeah he wasn't he married to uh, to someone from the kennedy clan yeah i'm pretty sure yeah yeah, uh, yeah 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 uh, yeah and of know. course uh, well, now, john same. john junior was killed by uh, by plane sabotage right uh, no seriously john that was not a spatial uh, disorientation issue the conditions were just not not there for that uh, It's just I, I i'm just not buying that one as an aviator i'm not buying it Hold on. Andrew Cuomo. I'm pretty sure he was uh, married to someone in the Kennedy clan. No. Kerry Kennedy Cuomo. Really? Yes. But I think he's divorced, wasn't he? Kerry Kennedy? Once you're in, you're in. Yeah, right. So this sounds like maybe there's a lot more to it, particularly because Caroline just won't say anything. That's, you know...
1: That's kind of weird. Yeah, I just think the thing, it's just an interesting thing to think about. You know, Ted's going to be out of the picture shortly. Yeah. So all you got now is Robert Kennedy Jr. and a few of the other kids who are lying low. How about the kid Robert who, Kennedy, uh, the raper, the ex-rapist? or the? Uh, oh, yeah, I don't think he was part of the real family. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a relative of some sort. And what was the, um, Remember
0: there was some, didn't someone get killed with a golf club? What was that? Remember that? I don't remember that one. Yeah, that was uh, maybe ten years ago. There was something with someone got their head beaten in. I thought that huh? was I thought
1: that was a Kennedy kid who was. Yeah, uh, uh, I don't know. There was a lot of Kennedy kids, that's for sure. But how many of them were part of the uh, inner circle is, you know, remains to be seen. But I think it explains one of the reasons that Ted Kennedy is he have become uh from the you know he was like the third brother who was kind of or the fourth actually because the first brother was killed off a you know in the, during the war mm-hmm. and, and uh, which was uh, Joe Kennedy senior he was the one that was supposed to be the shoe in to be the politician and so then John and then you so you had these four brothers uh with only Ted left and Ted be- became a uh something of an outrageous left wing almost an anti-government style of democrat with, you know, pr- pr- promoting old-line socialist concepts. I mean, he's basically a socialist. Well, that's pretty much the administration we just voted into office, isn't it? Well, he was the from the uh, Kennedy... Uh, I mean, Kennedy did... Uh, Kennedy, when Kennedy took sides, he took Obama's side. Right. Instead of, yeah, uh, I, instead, I of instead of instead uh, of Hillary's side. Right, which yeah. you know which is another thing because you know there's all this you know the the kind of uh, mean spiritedness of the Clintons. And and by the way, it was a pretty good move they got Hillary out of the picture by making her Secretary of State. And uh, you know, there's one couple of guys are gonna argue about it and I think somebody went up and said, Look, Hillary's more dangerous as a senator than she's ever gonna be a Secretary of State get her out of there, put in somebody else, you know, this Republican woman who is Mm. a Democrat. Mm. And uh, now she's not going to be able to run for that office again. No. She's, uh, because it's idiotic, and she's going to have a good retirement because you get a good one if you're a Secretary of State. And um, she can go off, float around the world, be a big shot, and that's the end of her. Mm. So she's out of the picture.
0: Another memorandum from... uh our new president. Remember, I think
1: memorandum, does that have any legal standing, a memorandum? I, I don't know. Maybe a lawyer can, ask, And or did it had to be a constitutional lawyer. Probably not. Because he's got a lot of memorandums
0: that he's passing out, and the press is, of course, reporting that as, oh, yeah, it's all fixed. Um, basically turning back a Bush memorandum, not a oh, directive. Oh, yeah, the
1: Bush, yeah, this is the one. Yeah, I read these. About There's the a whole, abortion. laundry list of these things, but yeah. most of those were like... Put in play by, you know, something was put in play by Carter. Reagan reversed it. Clinton reversed that. Bush reversed it back, <laughs> yes. and now he, Obama's got. Basically, we're looking at Carter administration policy. Oh,
0: no kidding, Brzezinski. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I can remember No Agenda. I think is like sixteen or seventeen, and you were like, "What do you talk about, Brzezinski? Shut up!" I, I never said that. Oh. Oh, don't make me go into the archives. But the, don't make me go in. The reason why I'm bringing it up is because do you not find it strange? Because because now the anti-abortion versus uh, pro-choice or pro-life—I forget what the politically correct term is. Now that's heating up again. Is it? Is there something weird about people anti-abortionists, people who are against abortion, throwing eggs at clinics? <laughs> Doesn't sit right with me. <laughs> Maybe they're not fertilized, but still, it's a weird thing to do.
1: You know what I'm saying? They should be throwing shoes. So I like um, that. I like the shoe thing. Well, you know that that issue crops up, and it just it just detracts from anything you know that affects people's day-to-day lives i mean it doesn't make any difference to me one way or the other but the fact that the economy's in the tank does yes. mean something to me daily yeah yeah but that's not what that's not what people in uh
0: in the hypnotized states of america are talking about you know every you got i'm telling you, you go on the street and you say what is obama he's closed gitmo we're no longer torturing i'm just like that is in that is exactly what the press is reporting but it's just not factually true and yeah, it's, well, it's sad. So please tell a friend to listen to this show because we'll give you at least some fact,
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> some well pieces, of some pieces of yeah, lots of opinion and fact. Thoughtful opinion, though, that's the
0: difference. I posted uh, a Google video of the wave on Curry dot com. Are you familiar with this? The wave? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Am I? Yeah, it was a, a book based upon a true experiment that a oh, hi, right, high school right, right. teacher the wave, the wave yeah, yeah that a high which
1: school, has a, co, a color a, 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 color sorry, scheme a, a color scheme on the cover of the one of the books that is exactly the same as Obama's that yes. that art RGB the, the, picture the blue of Obama red and gray with, yeah stuff yeah
0: and a lot of people really
1: responded very interestingly to that. Cause, you know,
0: you can get, it was like an ABC after school movie. It's horribly acted. It's really, it's a piece of shit. Uh, but, it, but it is the story. And I remember my mom telling me this story. I don't know, it must have been seven or eight. I was
1: in the Bay Area when that happened. I remember the, the reports on the news about it. Coverley High was where it actually took place. Well, uh, play it back. L- l- tell people what it is, because not everyone is familiar Well, what it was it. is what some guy wanted to, wanted to teach the class about, the, uh, about bigotry and how dictatorships can evolve and how things nat- will, can naturally, if encouraged, can, can naturally turn into sort of a fascist environment. And so he set up a, a classroom experiment. Where people had to, you know, there's one group that was some one way, and another group had to be their that, that's, opponent. That's but,
0: actually incorrect. That, no. That's what I thought the story was, but it's not. They were studying the Holocaust, and the kids were like, "Well, how, how could you know all these millions of Germans not know that they were killing millions of Jews?" And you know, they, they just they just didn't believe it. They didn't understand it. And he then started very very simply. It wasn't two groups, but he said, "Okay." Let's um, you know. Let's put this into practice. Why don't we um, uh, start understanding that by uh, with commu—what he said was community dedication. It was community dedication. Something else. You know that—that's how you get things done. And they had a little salute where you kind of like pound your chest and hold your fist up and everyone really got into it and then it just it just caught fire almost immediately and this the quietest kid in the class of course wanted to be bodyguard and essentially like an SS agent and um, and and the wave you know it, it spread and they were doing meetings and then at the the crescendo of this whole story is he holds a a meeting and he says all right kids this is you know there are are groups all over the country now who are part of the wave and they all want a new way of of um uh, Of community and being together with hope and change <laughs> and uh and then he shows this big he said okay here 's your leader and then he flips up a video of Hitler, and of course, all the kids then realize that you know they
1: 've been sucked into fascism and what yeah, that really you know means. I think that 's the dramatized version of what actually went on. But it was Possibly. something like that. Possibly, but yeah. but if people like you know, that's probably something worth reading. The guy, by the way, that teacher still around. He says he and he refuses to talk about it. Really? It, yeah, hmm. he just refuses to talk about it. He just doesn't want to talk it because I guess there was some. It was just frightening the way way it unfolded. But you know, if you want to read you know, a good piece of fiction that's about this phenomenon, and I think it's. It's very believable. Is is Sinclair Lewis's classic? It can't happen here.
0: Yes, uh, which, I, the, the, someone's been. You sent me a copy. I think it's been. It's
1: being distributed. People are
0: emailing this out on the net.
1: Well, what's interesting about Sinclair Lewis was he was a, you know, Nobel Prize winning, Pulitzer Prize winning, you know, one of our greatest writers and, and adored by the uh, by the left uh, literati. And uh, but he did, he did this book, It Can't Happen Here, which was about, uh, you know, essentially a. Uh, how the left wing could take over in a fascist way mm-hmm. and of course then he was on the outs ever since then same thing happened to John Dos Passos who wrote some you know essentially conservative perspective uh book once so anyway the, the but a real life story if you want to read which is a little harder to come by it's called Life and Death in Shanghai which talks about the communist takeover of the city and how people were just like you described—you know, the weak little wimp that had no power somehow becomes the boss, right? And and turns into a despotic little jerk off. And it's a very interesting story. So actually, it's much more frightening than the uh, the way this woman wrote this book. Killer, but it was banned in China. Uh, Life and Death in Shanghai, extremely popular in Hong Kong, just before the turnover, <laughs> like in the in the mid nineties, right. because everyone I was reading this all freak, you know, they were freaked out in Hong Kong when the you know figuring that the Chinese. I mean, I was there a couple of times before the turnover, and everyone was just freaked. So yeah, was, that, that, was
0: that two thousand the turnover? Yeah, it was. No, nineteen ninety seven. Ninety seven. I'm sorry, Jesus, that long ago, huh? Yeah.
1: Yeah, and everybody was going around roaming and saying, "Oh, there's we've noticed there's a lot more people speaking Mandarin. You know, this is not this is there there's spies everywhere." And but uh, it was a really yeah, a it,
0: it was a really easy handover, not much change that I that I know. <laughs> yeah, I know it's the
1: joke of it. <laughs> yeah. So, is is uh, that is the um, it can't happen here? Is that public domain? Do you think? No, it can't be. It was written about 1933.
0: Because um, I was considering turning that into an audio book. I've been wanting to record an audio book for a long time, and, and I've been considering that would be one to do.
1: Oh, You could probably get rights to it for next to nothing.
0: Well, I don't want or to just, make money on it.
1: I just want to do it. You know, Just, just, to just do create it. it. Yeah, you know how long it takes to read a book out loud?
0: Yes, long time. I think it takes a long time to do it properly.
1: Yeah, and you probably have to redo a couple things once in a while, and it has to be edited a little bit. I think it should have sound effects.
0: Well, you know, I've I've done one. Oh, dude, know. have you seen? Have you, go to Mevio.com and turn up your sound. I want you to see this.
1: My browser is not oh, now. You can't do that. Ah, shit. Sorry. Um, I can. I mean, uh, if I reboot them, if I reboot the the router, I can do it. But no, I, no, no, I no. I don't can. do
0: that. Do it later. Do it later. I, th- I think I think because I put a good comedic effect in there for a reason. I don't want to give it away, but if you look at it right now, you might get a chuckle. It's one one of my best pieces of work. I did a couple (laughs) of audiobooks. You know which ones I did? Which I have never released because I wasn't happy with them. Uh, Tom Swift. Tom Swift? You you, you don't know the Tom Swift series? You did all of them? No, 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 no. I did, uh, I think his uh, Hydro Flying Machine I did. But the problem When I was a kid, I read Tom Swift. I read all of them as a kid, and I didn't know that they were from like 1850. These They're things old. are incredibly old, and it 's all the stuff that we now have and The reason why i 've never released them is because i couldn 't quite get it. You know They had this uh, black guy uh, who uh, um, I would have to say served Tom Swift and his dad, who of course was also a famous inventor in the, in the in the books. And, he, and when you read these original texts, it's like, yes, Massa, I could be doing that right away, Massa. And i, and I like, how, how can you read that without reading right. it like that? And I'm like, you know, and, yeah, I, and well, they I really struggle. Yeah. Right.
1: Well, it's Mark Twain. All his books were written in dialect. And it was very popular to write in dialect. And it didn't it just wasn't just black people in dialect. No, no. no it was all of them. White yeah. people. Everybody was written in dialect. It's like everyone always talk,
0: everyone always talks about Tom Sawyer. But my favorite book was Huckleberry Finn was just right. a much more compelling adventure that he went on and uh, uh and that was major because he was uh with uh uncle Tom wasn't Uncle Tom who was with him on the raft could be yeah but you know so i've I've always struggled like i i I have a feeling if you don't read it the way it was written in dialect. Then it, it misses a lot, and if you do, you know, I, I'm honestly people would call it racist. Get a brick a through the window. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> because so there's like, too many people out there that don't don't understand that it was written that way. I mean, there are people I would swear. Right. I mean, you could if you did a survey and you then you did. You say I'm going to quote uh, Mark Twain doing this. You know, reading from this character, and you did you talk like that? Nobody would believe that it was actually written that way. In today's world, because we don't have, uh, we can't do that. It's not politically correct to even think about it.
0: Apparently, uh, it can't happen here. Is in public domain and uh, and available on Project Gutenberg. Oh, really? Yeah. Although, well, I, although I'm, I'm not sure that's true because a lot of books that are on Gutenberg are still to come into public domain. You have to be real careful. Yeah, because uh, they they they're up there, but they have specific disclaimers. But
1: well, I there's there's one clearinghouse that does art. Uh, like I don't have their name offhand, but there's they're the big ones. There's there's one a copyright clearinghouse. You could probably contact them and they would help you in this regard. I'll I, get their name. I'm pretty.
0: really considering that because that that's the kind of project. But I'm another thing I'm worried about, and this is what it's I a ran great into. Book. Great
1: book, great. It's, it's a great book. book. Yeah, the thing because I'm worried I'm about. I'm a Sinclair Lewis fan, so
0: is uh, if if you do this over a number of weeks and i ran into this with the tom swift experiment you get so many differences in your intonation and it's really hard it's it's tough it's really
1: hard to do to read an audiobook and if you yeah, want if you want to do think, production it's even harder i think you have to read it in one seat, sitting this is my guess. I don't know. Somebody who probably does these for a living maybe listens in. But I would think you could get away with it if you did it in one sitting and then you did the production stuff afterwards. Or the alternative, and this has been done by many people,
0: is to do it as a podcast and then do a chapter at a time.
1: Yeah, you could do that.
0: But, I, you know, but I've never gotten into that. I just want to listen to the whole thing and stop it in my own, you know, my own tempo. But I'll tell you, some of the, some be, I think it'd be a good, I'm sorry, it'd be a good book to do. Some of the audiobooks that I've, that I've purchased
1: are so poorly read. Ugh. Just shit. There's not that many people that do it well. Would you do one? It's not easy to do. Could I do one? Well, would you? Can you imagine somebody having to listen to my screechy voice for more than an hour? You have a very nice voice, John. I disagree. Ruth. No, I, I don't know if I could. Let me read something from the news here and see what it sounds
0: like. <laughs> do it with the do it with
1: the Uncle Tom uh, dialect. I don't, I don't I don't know what that how that dialect works. Yeah, sure, on, sure. You lived in that era, man. What are you talking about? Well, those days are over. So uh, I could do it as an, as uh, Deepak Chopra. Okay, that'll work. Oh, I can talk like Deepak oh, Chopra. No, that's
0: horrible. You're no good at it. You think so? No, you're no good at it. Here's one. I can't do the voice. Uh, not since the inauguration of President John F. Kennedy half a century ago has a new administration come into office with such a reservoir of expectations. It is unprecedented that all the principal actors on the world stage are avowing their desire to undertake the transformation imposed Who's on this them. this supposed to be? This is my Kissinger.
1: Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. Well, here's the line. The I ex- actually can do a perfect Kissinger. Yeah? If, if I take, I have this, there's this one, there's, this, there's a cough syrup called Ventolin. <laughs> cough Seriously. Syrup. It's a cough syrup called Ventolin. And I don't know what, I have an allergic reaction <laughs> to it or something. And my voice becomes the Henry Kissinger, and there's nothing I can do about it. All right, it. Read, read that. Read this middle paragraph. The extraordinary impact of the president-elect on the imagination of humanity. What? Isn't yeah, that important? one. In shaping the new world order. <laughs> That's but it the defines one. <laughs> an opportunity, not a policy. What is this? This is Kissinger, man. He just said this. He's calling for new world order. <laughs> he just said this now. Yeah, this is from uh, January twelfth. D- the extraordinary impact of the president-elect on the imagination of humanity is an important element in shaping a new world order, but it defines an opportunity, not a policy. There you go. What is that supposed to mean? Oh, one world government. This is Gordon, oh, yeah. Gordon Brown. Right. one of those one world government guys. You know, Obama's, in, I think, in that crowd. But you, or, think? Or, or, I,
0: you think? You think?
1: You know what I wonder? Well, maybe. Brzezinski is,
0: and he's there. He's a part of it. Please. This is Gordon Brown is literally having wet dreams. He is ejaculating over the fact that Obama is now president. Can't wait for Obama to come to the United Kingdom for the G20 summit, which is coming up in a few weeks. Everything he every speech, every time he's on television, well, President Barack. And they never say Barack. It's Barack Obama. Hey, England. It's Barack, not Barack. They call him Barack Barack Obama, Barack Obama. It's Barack Barack Obama, Barack Obama is coming. Yes, Barack Obama, because we can't do this alone. All We have to have bi- bad banks together. We have to have all the... Ba- they're creating a bad bank here, a bad bank in the U.S. We're going to have one big badass bank, and it's going to control everything. And well, surely, surely, surely you see that, John.
1: Yeah, you know, these, these schemes, you know, have little chance of success. That's the way I see it. No, of course it has little chance of success, but what it's going to su- succeed at is bankrupting
0: the countries that... You know, so the, the UK has... What they've set up, and this is very controversial, or should I say con- controversial, um, the United Kingdom will underwrite the banks. as So kind of like AIG as an insurance company. So the banks will have to pay these huge premiums to guarantee their business and if they go bankrupt then the bank of england essentially will cover the loss well you know just have one or two of these banks go belly up and the and there's no more money they're already talking about david cameron the leader of the conservatives is already saying oh we're gonna have to go to the imf we're gonna have to get bailed out by the imf it's this place is going down the tubes hmm have you, well, if you've followed the pound, or the euro for that matter, versus the dollar. Yeah, yeah, good news. Well, good news for me, good news for you, not good news for the United Kingdom.
1: Yeah, well, you know, they had their day. So I got you, uh, I recorded for you the Marijuana, Inc. special that was done by Trish Regan at CNBC. Thank you, I, I requested that. Have you? Did you watch it, or did you only record it? I watched it? part of it. It's, you know, it's mostly... <laughs> Trish, who used to work for market watch i've I've met her, and um I've been on a couple of shows with her too, and it's always <laughs> good to see you again, like we've see each other ever she's in New York, yeah, but she was <laughs> i got to send her an email. She was like kind of in it, she did this thing, and she's like sitting standing in a field of about a million dollars with a twenty foot high oh. marijuana plants with all you blood mean, you mean heaven, <laughs> and she is giddy. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, I think this girl smokes once in a while. I mean, that's what the impression you have. To you should get. introduce me to her. She sounds like my kind of people. She's pretty hot looking. So um, voila. So I only watched part of it. I mean, it's just a bunch of. She's roaming around the. Uh, you know, they did. They do have a lot of numbers. You know, the kind of billions of dollars that it produces for places like Mendocino County that would otherwise be just broke. Uh, and there was an argument for legalization. I thought it was pretty valid, and uh, you know, just a, you'll like it. I yeah. didn't, couldn't watch the whole thing. It's bored me stiff.
0: You know, there's a um, in Surrey where we used to live in Guildford. There's a research park. Uh, Nokia has a big um, facility there, even a helipad, in fact. Um, and there's a, a whole bunch of nondescript buildings and the movers who, um, move, who have moved us, uh, every single time in the UK and had our stuff in storage. So I know these guys, you know, pretty small outfit. Uh, and I, so I, you know, I'm talking to them they said, you know, cause they, you know, they were, um, up in my office, uh, when they were cleaning out the old house. And of course, you know, how, how can you avoid hearing my, uh, <laughs> hearing my, uh, my work when you're in my office for two days, and you turn your fan back on? No. And um, he said, you know, that's kind of interesting, the stuff I hear you talking about, because we were at uh, one of these research facilities over at Surrey Research Park, and the guy had a whole room full of screens, and there were all these red dots. And he said, you know, so what are these red dots? And the guy apparently was quite friendly. He said, oh, these are all of the um, – this is where all the troops are in Afghanistan. We're monitoring these live satellites, and, you know, we passed that on to the Ministry of Defense. He was clearly saying stuff he shouldn't have. And then the guy says, you know, what's interesting is all these red dots. They're all around the poppy fields.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> people have no idea.
1: I've asked my Who knows what. Yeah.
0: yeah, I've asked my daily source code audience to go out on the street and record people and ask them two questions. One, what kind of government do we have in the United States? And the second question is, what are we doing in Afghanistan? And I can't wait to hear the answers when they come back.
1: Oh, it'll just be a bunch of dumb answers. Well, I think the
0: answer to the first question will be democracy. That's pretty much what what everyone has been led to believe, which is uh, wrong. It's a representative republic. Thank you. And uh, started by the French. Wasn't it a French guy's idea, a republic? No. Oh.
1: I don't. I think didn't the well. Let's see that the Greeks and the Romans, one of them, had some. Well, sort the, of similar the, st- the Romans had a similar structure. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they had the Senate and the whole thing. So um, the Afghanistan thing still fascinates me that it, that two missiles come flying in to blow up a camp and a house and people and, and well, you know, there's people in there usually and. Uh, well what and happens, I I saw Nobody's what's what then this was under Obama's what Obama's, Obama you know, he was. He was threatening, if you remember, that he was gonna uh blow up I'm sorry, it's Pakistan, right? Where all the yes, Pakistan, are. you're right. Well the border, the Afghan Pakistan border, yes. Right. It's Pakistan I misspoke. And but he was threatening them from the get go. Yeah. And then it kinda went under the you know, went under the radar, but he seems to be uh He doesn't seem to be a pro-Pakistan type of guy. No, because uh, the U.S. has a deal with India. India hates
0: Pakistan. They've had this whole thing and this whole argument for for decades about uh, Kashmir. And uh, as far as I understand, India wants to get rid of Pakistan. They've, They've always hated each other.
1: I don't know. I think the whole thing. Well, I don't know if they want to get rid of Pakistan. I think they just want to get Pakistan out of their hair.
0: Two missile attacks from suspected U.S. drones have killed 14 people in northwestern Pakistan. Officials say at least one missile hit a house in a village near the town of Mirali in North Waziristan, st- of course, a stronghold of Al Qaeda and Taliban militants, of course. So I saw, I did see a documentary. They, um, it was Channel, F- was it maybe it was Channel Four? Interestingly enough. And it's because they can't, you know, it's just like in Gaza. You know, you you can't just, the press is not allowed to go anywhere anymore. And, of course, they don't do it. But these guys had given their Afghani uh, cameraman, you know, all the gear and said, you know, okay, sit in the hospital. And he he shot for a week in the hospital. And he interviewed all these people. And and essentially what's happening is uh, militants, combatants, whatever, come into a village they hide in the village. They lob some shit at the U.S. troops. Then they run away. Then the troops come in and then kill everybody in the village. It's like Vietnam all over again. It's, <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, it's seriously, you know, torch the village. Of the
1: experts, most of the experts that, that are familiar with the region say that we should just get out. Well, of course we should just get out. Why don't we just why why did and these are academics we're not talking about you know just a bunch of policy wonks that are here and there you know people who are genuinely concerned. familiar with the area <laughs> say we should get out and i've never wondered i've always wondered about this idea for you know and i think it would have worked in iraq too kind of george w george w or george the other bush the older one uh kind of maybe Four, had it 41 as we say in forty one. He had kind of maybe had a little bit of the right idea when he invaded Iraq and then left. Um I thought it well, would have was Well that was because of his deal with the Saudis. That was all about Kuwait. You know, that was
0: so that was, yeah, that, but was but still, that was a business deal. That was a business deal. But he still deal. had
1: these great quotes about it, how you can't you know, you know, getting involved would be bad and bad. And um, <laughs> It's bad. Anyway. It's really, really bad. So um when they started it was shock and awe, you know, that one or two yeah. days of just Blowing the place to smithereens. I thought it would be like you know something. You know, you get into a beef with the United States, we just shock and awe them for a couple of days, and then split.
0: Well, you know, I, my stance on that is I totally disagree. We should get the yeah, fuck know, out of yeah. You don't like people. the idea of
1: just throwing missiles at, at no innocent. at
0: anybody. No, at anybody. I'm against yeah, throwing bombs at it, children.
1: But it, it, it was. It seems to me to be a more interesting way of approaching this than going in and just dragging these things out forever well you of know, course tar- tar- but look Kar- karzai who was a, a unicyle guy was an oil
0: guy who pretends like he's some hot shot by wearing you know uh these this cape and this fucking hat made of you know fetus calves fetus his brother is a known drug czar known you know it's it it can't be anything but a huge scam There's no other reason to be there. Now, from Huffington Post, this is one of these people you're talking about. I don't know if she, if uh, Malu Innocent, great name, (laughs) Malu Innocent, uh, posted yesterday. During his campaign for presidency, Barack Obama pledged to deploy more troops to Afghanistan and to take the fight into Pakistan. I guess he did. During the second presidential debate, he said, if we have Osama bin Laden in our sights and the Pakistani government is unable or unwilling to take them out, then I think we should have to act, and we will take them out. We will kill bin Laden. We will crush al-Qaeda. That is our biggest national security priority. And then she goes on to say, no one should be surprised that missile strikes have been launched under the new president's watch. President Obama was unequivocal in his commitment to go after al-Qaeda, hiding in the hills between Afghanistan and Pakistan. And then, of course, he says, is there a better approach? Oh so, yeah. Uh, but he's also said, and I've read this somewhere, it's like, well, you know, the guy's hold up, you know, he clearly has no control anymore, so we don't have to go after him now.
1: Well, that's the, what, when did he say that? Not long ago, I could find. How does this, you know, this is what Bush did this. Oh, you know, wanted dead or alive, you know, blah, blah, blah. This guy's like, you know, the tallest man in this, in, in the region, you know, and he's floating around doing videos. And so they're going to go after him dead or alive. And then, what, eight years go by and they, they never get close to him and they don't, you know, okay. I don't know. I find the whole thing disturbing.
0: From Times Online, January 15th. Of course, it's The Times. So, uh, Barack Obama, I, I can't stop saying it now. Barack Obama suggested last night that removing Osama bin Laden from the battlefield was no longer essential and that America's security goals could be achieved merely by keeping Al Qaeda on the run. Here's the quote. My preference, obviously, would be to capture or kill him, he said. But if we have so tightened the noose that he's in a cave somewhere and can't even communicate with his operatives, then we will meet our goal of protecting America. So we're done. I guess we can
1: leave now. He's in a cave. It's all set. If they've tightened the noose and he's in a cave, they at least know where he is. Why don't they go get him? This makes no sense. The logic of this is, is ridiculous.
0: Yeah, but this is, this is the state of our fucking press corps, dude. as recently as october 7th in a presidential debate mr obama said we will kill bin laden we will crush al-qaeda that has to be our biggest national security priority yesterday the president-elect adopted far less aggressive language saying his number one priority was to protect america from further attack well look at the cnn video and look out for them fucking flying saucers barrack because that's the shit i'd be worried about
1: So in other words, yeah, we're going to get tough, and then, it's not that important. Yeah. I think the whole thing's a scam. Well, from what I understand, it was actually Robert Gates, the defense secretary
0: who was staying on, who um, actually came up with
1: al-Qaeda, even with the name. Well, there's that that special that was done by that great documentarian that the, that the BBC uses every so often who does, you know, these... The oh, f- yes, defeat, I know what you mean. Um. The fear document. A friend of mine knows the guy. Yeah, I can think of his name. Yeah, uh, of knows the guy. So if I go to London, we can go out and have dinner with him. Really? Oh, I'd love to. But we but have anyway, to know his name, because
0: that would help. <laughs> like, hey, uh, hey, nice, <laughs> to you, uh, hey uh, nice to meet you, dude. Hey,
1: nice to meet you. If I get my browser up, I could find his name. But anyway, he's, um, he, yeah, it's, uh, I, think it's, I think it's Orlowski at the register who's pals with him. It, it's
0: like an S... Um yeah, of, I forgot. I mean, he's
1: anyway. He's the one that does the voice the voice for those documentaries too. And I think he's done three or four sets of them. And they're they're fantastic. Yeah, and uh, we'll blog it or talk about it next week. Let me make a note, and uh, so people can watch them. Well, when you, all when are long. you
0: coming? O- now is the time to co- come over. By the way, because you know the Germans are coming to the United Kingdom to buy BMWs. <laughs> wow, things yeah. are that screwy. Yeah. Because of the, the the pound is just collapsed, and you get the VA the value added tax, you get that back. You can you can claim that back when you take it back to the uh, to the continent. Now, of course, you have a left hand drive, but who cares?
1: Well, they could sell the right hand drive ones in England.
0: Yeah, but th- but that I think then you kind of lose your benefit because they are significantly more expensive. Well, wow. and they don't they don't really sell them here. And, and in fact, they may uh, the the right the right hand drives may be manufactured elsewhere. I don't think they're well. In fact, they're not manufacturing anything anymore. All the car companies have just closed. Just saying. Oh, well, we're not, I don't
1: know. We're you, know not gonna I, you know, I see people floating around the United States with one of these right hand drive cars. You know, from England, like old Rolls royce They get them cheap. The thing is the worst the most dangerous thing in the world to drive around you can't pass people on the open road because you can't see that they have to actually stick your whole car out well that's to see not if true that's
0: not true because when we moved here I still had my Audi A8 with a right-hand drive and honestly I'm very happy that the first year that we lived here we had that because I only had to get used to one thing which was driving on you know the correct side of the road apparently um because once you get into the car, particularly a manual, because my daughter has a manual stick shift, and it's and it's left-hand drive, and you have to shift with your left hand, that takes a little getting used
1: to. I don't know. You know, I've driven over there a lot, and I've had the shifters. It's never bothered me. Well, then you what are you You just have to saying? concentrate. You just have to concentrate. Yeah. And so, pretty yeah. soon it's second nature. I, I think it's kind of sporty. You're on the wrong side of the car with a the, with the left-hand shifter. You think you're in, like, the Grand Prix of some place. <laughs> just feels sporty. I don't know why. Technically, it's the correct side of the road. Yeah, okay. You
0: know why? Tell me. Because it dates back to the days of the horse. Um, if you were um, sundering along the road... You would want to be on the left-hand side because if an adversary came from the opposite direction, you want to be able to draw your sword with your right
1: hand. Oh, I thought it was so when you were going on the horse past one of your buddies, you can give him a high five with your right hand. <laughs> no, I think it's actually easier for the drive through <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, um, whatever. I know they have that. People drive on that side of the road in Hong Kong. And but not in China, but with but with uh, the with the right-hand drive car. That's no, like, they have the right cars.
0: Oh, but in Jamaica uh, and in uh, in Africa,
1: the, they drive on the left-hand side, but they have right-hand drive cars. Most of them they have they have. I've been there. They have the the wheel on the, on the right proper side, yeah. and they also in Japan because a lot of the cars come from Japan, where they drive on the wrong side of the road too. And all the Japanese cars that are coming out of Japan are the ones that are floating around you know Hong Kong and places like that, so it 's not like a big deal to get a car with the, with the with the steering wheel on that side of the of the car so um and there's a Sweden used to have the I think they switched over, and it was of course it was a problem. You know the the story goes in Sweden they they had to make the transition uh, slowly. So they for so for the, when they switched over from the right to the left they they uh, they the, the trucks do it the first week, and then the cars started the next week after mm-hmm. that. Hmm. Last night, Jonathan Ross returns. Is that and- like a joke you don't get? No, I didn't get it. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that's now it's my. You, now you have my proof. You know All what? Right. I just wasn't listening to you. Aha!
0: Uh-huh. I'll cop to it. You, you, you lie, but at least I'll, I'll admit it.
1: I don't lie.
0: <laughs> you never. You, when you're not listening to me, you just play it off like it's just you don't care, but you just weren't listening. Say it again, so I can listen to it.
1: Please, please. They had to transition from the right-hand to the left-hand side of the road, so they they wanted to do it uh, in an orderly fashion. So for the first week, the trucks switched over, and then the second week, the cars switched over.
0: Very funny. Bada-bing. You're Robin Williams. Stephen Fry was on uh, Jonathan Ross last night, who reappeared after a 12-week forced uh, absence
1: for uh, being naughty on the radio. Yeah, uh, you know oh, who Stephen Fry is? Yeah, right. Right, that was a big scandal. The guy's making four million dollars a year, or something like that, uh, on the BBC off the taxpayers' back. Well, at the time he was—I think he was making more. I
0: think it was more like six million pounds. But of course, now that's probably four million dollars. So, yeah. Um. Anyway, his guests—Tom uh, Cruise was on—was interesting. Uh, but Stephen Fry, who does—and I like him even more than I already liked him for a number of reasons. So this you know this was a highly anticipated show uh, so a lot of people watched I'm sure and he does documentaries um but he's done some very famous ones about America and it was so nice to finally hear an Englishman say something nice about America and it it was it was really great you know he was like in Amer- And, and this, was the, this was the point that he hammered home, which I really liked. He said, in America, they have a saying, which is, only in America, when someone comes up with some crazy invention or some fantastic idea or something that's just, wow, you know, whoever would have thought of that, then Americans say, yep, like Don King, uh, of course, only in America. He says, but in Britain, whenever something's fucked up, when you have to stand in line, when the weather is shit, <laughs> people always say, only in Britain. And like, that is indeed the essence. And he said one more thing, which was... Was great, uh, he promoted Twitter on the show, which was really it, it came out all wrong because, of course, it, when you try to explain Twitter to someone, no one gets it. Uh, and he is on Twitter and he has been uh, tweeting his uh, his travels. Uh, mm. But that was kind of cool to see uh, to see that big uh, a big plug for for Twitter. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, good for him. Ooh. You should watch some of his document some of his documentaries. They're really really quite good, particularly about the U.S. There's another one. Um, called uh, it was on the um, the other night called uh, America Unchained, and this guy his idea was was to drive from the west coast to the east coast without eating or getting gas at a
1: chain uh, outfit, and it was a very challenging journey. Let me tell you, <laughs> well, it is on the main drags. That's true. Well, so if you get yeah. off of those, you know, that I've driven across the country and if you get off the interstates and you go on the old U.S. highway system, mm. which is still intact, yeah, which mostly, is what, which is what he did. Absolutely. Yeah. Then there's plenty of places to eat and there's tons of places that are not necessarily changed. Now, it is a little more difficult with the gasoline. The in gas- some parts yeah, the man. gasoline was the hardest part. Finding diners was, and stuff like that was yeah. relatively easy. Yeah, no, the gasoline. Because it's like, what's not a chain? And how do you have a gas station that's not a chain? And you know, even if you go to Costco, it's part of a chain. I mean, I don't know how you. can, To be honest about how you can make it, he did it. Uh, he,
0: I'm sorry, he. There was one one time when he had to fill up at uh, at a chain uh, because he literally ran out of gas. But yeah, he did it. He did it. He went all the way from. In fact, he drove, I think, six thousand miles because he wanted to also go to every ind- every town named Independence in America, uh, and there's quite a few, particularly in the the Midwest. So he drove a lot more and a lot longer. But it was beautiful to see. You know, when you see what I believe is real America with uh, mom and pop stores, it was just a beautiful. Do- I'll I'll, uh, I'll get you a copy because I recorded it. I think I can spin it off onto a disc somehow.
1: Yeah, bring it over. I think you'd like it, yeah. what else are f- you going to bring over? You're coming over to this. You're coming Monday. over to this site. Monday, yeah. Where are we eating, my bro? Uh, well, the trend right now, and I think we're going to explore these things, is these Peruvian restaurants that are the trendy San Francisco thing, and there's about four of them mm-hmm. or five, and uh, I think it'd be worth checking out. I went to one uh, during Macworld World. Uh, with Callie Lewis and her husband. Oh, how was that? It was good. And um They're nice, aren't they? Yeah, they're very yeah. very uh I know very, I'm asking, I'm looking for confirmation basically. No, no, they're very, they're very extremely uh pleasant people. Yeah. And um and, you know, and they're into what they're doing, and they're doing fine job. But anyway, so we went to this place, which is one of the trendier of the Peruvian places. And, you know, it's a lot of ceviche made with all kinds of fish you never had, you know, had ever thought of that they would make it that way. And it's called something else. And they have a lot of these dishes that are one thing and called another. I was in Peru, and I never noticed this kind of food at all. It must be resort food or something. I don't know what the what the genesis is. But we're not going to go is. to
0: the restaurant you already went to. We'll go to a new one, I hope. Yeah, sure. Okay. So, But uh, I don't just want to do – let's not just do – we, we certainly should have dinner twice because I'm leaving I, – I made a mistake in my email. I'm leaving Saturday, not Sunday. Yeah, okay. So I can do Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday night. So we should Well,
1: have, I mean, the problem with you is like uh, – is on Tuesday there's, – there's, there's a lot of problems with me, John, but feel free to point one or two out. You're – You're kind of fagged out uh, for the first two or three days that you're here. And you're like, if we go to dinner at five, it's too late. No,
0: that's only the first day. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'm well rested. I'm into it. I'm good. I can't you wait say for you to that. Yeah, no, I I am I know I'll be good. I can't I wait can for you we'll, to come over here. I want you to come over here, man. I'm a Londoner now. I've got all the I've got all the fresh places, all these small little the butcher, there's the fish guy, there's the vegetable guy. It's all these independent <laughs> stores that have been around for 40 years. You'll love it. This area by the way. You know Samuel Pepe's? Pepe? Oh yeah. He lived here. Peep. I thought it was Peeps. Well, it's P E P Y. So I thought it was Peppy, uh, whatever. It says Peeps. But he lived here. This in your was, house? Th- no, not in this house. I do know that a very famous person lived in this house. I'm not going to mention it on the air because I don't want people to know where I live. Uh, I'll tell you off the air. Very famous. In fact, some of what he did, he has done in this house, which is, we've not. You'll love this story. I, I'm sorry, just I'm not going to tell it on the air. You'll love the story when I tell it to you because. He has he, he has done his work in this house, and no one fucking knew it. This is like a landmark, and it's not recognized. Nick Jagger. <laughs> no, but I will tell you that right in front of our door in 1970, maybe it was 69. The Who, their uh, van was stolen with their equipment, and uh, it showed up right near the house here, <laughs> with all the equipment gone, <laughs> five five thousand pounds worth of gear. So there's some rock and roll history, but no, this guy is from uh, the 1800s, uh, late 1800s. But this Mick en- Jagger, yes, but a boom. But this entire area uh, uh, of uh, uh, Clapham, Battersea, and to a certain extent Brixton, uh, in the 1960s, when the Black Death was in London, everyone fled London if they could, because eventually, at, at a certain point around 62, 63, they locked up. Uh, London, you couldn't get across the Thames, and everyone fled out here to be safe from the Black Plague. It's very interesting history. Uh, I think I think you'll enjoy it if you come
1: over. Yeah, no, I get over there. Sure. No, I will because actually now you know, there's, you know, there's almost now it doesn't, giving, no, doesn't cost. Hey, look, I got miles. I'll uh, I can give you
0: miles on my uh, Virgin Atlantic. Yeah, I take them. You probably got lots
1: of miles by now.
0: Whew. Yeah, in fact, to. Uh, to help with the credit crunch, uh, I'm now uh, buying uh, Coach and upgrading with Miles. Well, it's same thing. Well, what do you mean it's the same thing?
1: Well, I mean, it's, you're still in first class. Right, yeah, right. What I'm saying is I'm, not, you know, I, I'm no longer paying for... Oh, you're actually buying first class tickets? Oh, upper, you must upper, have class. upper class. class. Of my, of Miles. Upper, yeah, yes, upper class. A of Miles, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've got... Well, uh, back in the yeah, day when everyone to- had tons of money, it was okay, you know, but now we've all got to be careful. Right, except Obama redecorating his place for a hundred grand.
0: Yeah, and the hundred seventy million dollar inauguration. Sure, except for except for those minor points. Was it one hundred seventy million to do that? That's what I heard. One hundred fifty to one hundred seventy. Uh, someone even calculated the carbon footprint, which is like bigger than a whole coal, you know coal installation. <laughs> carbon footprint. It was like five five hundred and twenty five million tons of CO two, whatever. So, uh, I don't think we got to any good topics today. What are you talking about? Well, first of all, you came to the party with nothing. I've been I've, right. been I've been driving the
1: ship. So, well, you know, what do you mean no good topics? I just get the feeling that compared to last week's show, which I think we were pounding the ball out of the park, you know, we got, like, it's kind of a boring show. I think we should start it over. <laughs>
0: Everybody, welcome to the Obama station of the nation. It's A to the C here in Southwest London. JCD, how you doing, buddy? <laughs>
1: hey, buddy, come on in. By the way, I've got uh, I've recorded a Family Guy for you, where the where Brian becomes a DJ. Oh, some... great! Oh, Have you ever fantastic. seen this one? No, I haven't. Oh, that's great! Oh, this is the funniest one because they got these two boneheads that are just they, they all they do is play jingles. Oh, awesome! And, you would love this particular sh- episode because it just, it shows the, <laughs> it has all the stuff you like, you think is funny.
0: <laughs> well, it's like so, the, uh, 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 I saw Wayne's World 2 the other day. Have you ever, I, you probably have never seen Wayne's World I 2. I never even knew it existed. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh no, I, that's the one with Kim Basinger, isn't it? That was one. I don't know if she was in two because I only saw uh, a, uh, a little bit of it, but basically Wayne and Garth go to promote their concert. Maybe, yeah. maybe it was one. I don't, now I don't know. Maybe it was one. Um, and they go to a radio station and the guy, so he's interviewing them and it's exactly the way it works. And so they're talking, and the guy is, is basically turning around. He's fiddling with the carts. You know, that's an old-fashioned jingle uh, system, basically eight-track right. cartridges. And he, and he's going, like, mm-hmm, yeah, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so they're talking, and it just makes these listening noise. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. you hear all this, this rambling. Uh-huh, mm-hmm, yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's like, pew, a gunshot. Oh yeah, they're coming closer. <laughs> yeah, okay, God, what'd you say? Uh-huh. uh-huh. And it's so spot. <laughs> it is so exactly exactly what top 40 ra- used to be because of course now we don't even have that sad type of radio anymore now that it's all clear channel all the radio uh, companies all these big ones you can buy them now for 18 cents a share it's all bankrupt it's all it's all going to go away
1: i think we yeah i know i've i talked to you before about the fact that we should own a radio station but you thought it was a bad idea
0: yeah because you know it's People just don't tune in that way anymore. Uh, that's yeah, why I think know, I think the newspaper column. I think you know I, I think I want to do that here in the UK because that's still kind of where people get their in, their info from. And I could plug this show. And I could plug. Yeah, I, I did plug this show uh, in. Uh, I was in the Financial Times a couple weeks back. In the and money. you played the show. Yeah, yeah. Daily source code, no agenda. Uh, the guy didn't really report. Nice guy. He's the guy. Uh, he does a weekly podcast for the Financial Times. Mike. His show is like Beer Mat Radio or something. He's kind of a, he's not really a typical Financial Times type guy. But he wrote, wrote a nice column, a little interview, you know, about, uh, about what I'm doing. But it, zero, I heard no one say anything about it. <laughs> nothing. Not an email, nothing.
1: Yeah, it's, I'm always, that's actually something that, uh, I, you know, I don't know if the public understands completely, but if you do a lot of this kind of stuff, you know, whether it's writing or TV or radio, you get. You get a, you'll get you get some feedback from the public at large uh, sometimes, and it's always usually, sometimes it's surprising, mm-hmm. and then other times you do something you think is going to yeah. get a lot of attention, Crickets. and you get nothing. Correct. And nobody says, oh, you were on that? I didn't know. No. I and, think... Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, like Leo Laporte's uh, Twit is like a good example of something that has a huge wide audience. In fact, I use that platform occasionally to solicit clothing and um right i know it sounds silly but it's but it's, uh, what i'm talking about is football Um uh, like a football team wins a championship i put the word out right, to get right a these hoodie things. and i'll get i'll get them i'll get yeah. like you know sure. these hoodies and uh and the other things you do you get nothing in fact that, when i was doing um when I was, I uh, still do this, but not as much as I used to, but at market watch, when they were owned by CBS, they used to have this show called the money, something or other. And it was on, and it had a huge audience, huge. And I would do the show once in a while. And there was only one person that ever saw me do it. And it was my, uh, pharmacist. Who was like 90. And he, and it was on sign on one day cause they showed it at weird hours. And so, uh, then they got sold to Dow Jones, and I started doing CNBC, which which and by comparisons it was like talking to an audience of five million to an audience of forty five thousand. Mm-hmm. But the CNBC audience is like guys watching twenty four seven. They're yeah. all in the you know they're all in the stock market thing. They're all I got more feedback. Yeah, I got like oh you were on there, you were on there from guy after yeah. guy after guy. And I'm thinking this is the this is interesting because sometimes the biggest what you think is a big effect is just a, a dud. Yeah. Well, I've 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 seen this throughout my entire career, the duds.
0: But you know, um, when uh, in the early days in the Netherlands, when we only had two television stations, state run, and I would do my show on it, it was Thursday, and later it was Sunday. first, it was Sunday evening, I think. You know, the it was literally it was 35 percent market share. You know, like huge audience. So just millions and millions of people and nine times out of 10, you know, you'd think this is, Oh man, people are going to love this show and you, and nothing, the numbers were there. People watched it, but you just nothing. And then you do something. And typically when the, the numbers, the, the, the ratings would be lower and you get all kinds of feedback. It's, it, you can't pin anything down on
1: it. You have no idea how it works. I think it's the targeting. So I think if you get the right person targeted to the right audience, you'll get a lot of feedback and it doesn't have to be a large audience it just has to be the right audience it's like right targeting it's like this is you know narrow casting and i think the, i think you have a bigger effect that's just my guess but i mean it seems to be the case i mean it's like like with the twit thing leo's got you know not i mean there's nobody listen would possibly listen to that show at all unless they were interested in one thing only it's not like a, it's not like broadcasting in any way, and I think to, with our show it's a little bit like that. Except we're more of a of a general interest podcast. Hmm. Uh, so I think, although I get a lot of feedback from this, I mean we have enough people now. Even though people should help us get a bigger audience, yes, you should, uh,
0: and and get me uh, more followers on Twitter. I think that I I need more. Fo- I've got only got seven or seven and a half thousand or something. I I need more because I am starting to use it more, and it really does work.
1: Well, that that's the complaint about you. What. You don't use it that much. I, I, I use it all me. the time now. I, I'm, I'm, okay, well, you're using it more. I'm tweeting. So anyway, the point is, is that I get people coming up to me, and I still find this peculiar since I've been writing for PC Magazine for 25 years, and at some point the audience was 2 or 3 million people. Uh, I still have people that just discover me only from these podcasts. I love that, you know, I love you on Twitter and no agenda. That's fantastic. And, you know, they don't know me from anything else. It's like it's a complete, you know, like I just showed up.
0: You know, my theory about that is that you have this audience that essentially stems from the um, tech TV days, um, which was a very rabid community. Yeah, very and, small but rabid. Yeah, well, I, you know, so two hundred fifty thousand is yeah, it's large for us, but it it I think that's probably what the audience was. If no, you, at Tech TV, it was smaller 50. than that. Fifty thousand? Yeah, mm. but it's also it's about a topic that a lot of people are in. You know, in general, this week in Tech is supposed to be about Tech, um, and and you know, like when you so when you have a, a, a great episode, by the way, with. Um, Geordi uh, LaForge. Uh, we used to have the same agent. Huh. Um. Seems like a nice guy. Very nice guy. Oh, and uh, and he 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 does a lot of stuff, man. You know, not just the Star Trek stuff, but he, he you know the Reading Rainbow. He's been doing that for a long time. Um. You know, but it's it's interesting for you know, look how many iPhones are out there. Anyone with an iPhone who likes iPhone apps is going to be interested in Twit because eventually something will fly by you know it's uh, that that makes total sense to me i think the audience is limited and i think the impact that you have on the world in general is zero you know it, it's chewing gum but it's great Absolutely. chewing gum you know it's it's, yeah, no, it's I like think there's
1: no no impact whatsoever no. in fact the impact you get from print media has always been uh it's always been more it's noticeable uh, I used to be I used to be able to to uh, monetize and I'd never monetize it for my own benefit, but in the heyday, I could write some, just a two or three sentence thing uh, plugging a specific product in inside track, and I would get a hold of the vendor and I'd want to track sales, the mm-hmm. sales bump they'd get, and mm-hmm. the heyday half a million, wow, half a million dollars sales bump instantly. Mm. It was actually quite interesting. Dave Weiner was harping on you yesterday, which was kind of interesting. What did he say?
0: Well, I saw these. He was because I follow him on Twitter and I saw these Twitters. I guess so, some journalist or someone said something nasty about him, you know, typical. And, of course, he won't write about who said what. He won't point to it. So God knows what it was. But he was saying there are two types. Of, actually, I should read the blog post to be factual. Um, there are two types of journalists, actors and non-actors. Uh, I'll read it you're probably looking at it right now but I'll read it. In journalism there's a big difference between the actors and the non-actors. The actors are trying to create an effect. You're not hearing what they really think, you're hearing what they want you to think they're thinking. Non-actors try to play it straight. They want to communicate their ideas accurately and persuasively and try and strive to find better and better ways to do that. It is true in journalism and equally true in blogging. Uh to explain the idea to a journalist friend I thought of two people who had who he would be likely to know two extreme example extreme examples Scott Rosenberg and John Dvorak.
1: <laughs> Shall I continue reading? Yeah, I, I I don't like I said my browser's not up so I can't read this.
0: Rosenberg is the former managing editor of Salon, film critic at the SF Examiner. Dvorak is a longtime tech columnist. I read him thirty years ago in InfoWorld at then PC Mag. Now he's a blogger and podcaster, which is incorrect because you still write. Uh, Rosenberg and Dvorak are very different sorts of reporters. In person, check it out, John. In person, Dvorak is a gentleman and really nice, thoughtful guy. On the web <clears throat> and in his podcast, I guess it's this one, or maybe it's Tech 5, he's an actor playing the role of a cranky, thoughtless clown. <laughs> in this video, thoughtful Dvorak explains Dvorak the actor. You know which video that is, right?
1: Yeah, I have crazy video that about the Mac, about Apple. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And then he goes on to say, Rosenberg. On the other hand, if you met him in person, would be the same and say the same things in his online persona. I disagree with that because, well, maybe I'm just seeing John the actor,
1: but you act the same around me in person as you do on this show. Yeah. Now he's he, he, what he's doing. He's just he's basing that entire theory on that one Macintosh goading the macintosh community incident. Right, uh, cuz generally speaking there's a formula for fitting no, yeah I turn no, it off no, I don't no, want to hear no, it. Now the audio is too shitty anyway. Sorry. Yeah, it's a, it was, it was a he had a cheap camera he just should reshoot re- that. But anyway uh, <laughs> reacted please John that's the point. <laughs> it's that you know it's the, you know there's the the element that the way he expresses it is that you do some I when I do cranky geeks and i get worked about something I'm not I'm not not irked. I mean, there's a lot of things that really irk me, and you've heard me go on these rants. And it's not really an acting job. Uh, as much, I'm very sincere about these rants. Now, when I'm kidding around about that Macintosh thing, that's a different story. But that's like a out of my body of work. It's so minor that I can't, uh, you know, I don't whiners generalizing in a funny way. But at least he gave me a compliment for being a gentleman. Yeah. Well, you know the stuff you said. But you're right. No, him. you're right. He's he doesn't. You know, that's just whiner doing doing his thing. Well, you you. I'm not even. I'm not going to paraphrase you. It's
0: okay. All right. About what? Yes. About what? Paraphrase me about what? No, what you said the other day. That doesn't matter. It was okay. it, it was private conversation people hate it when i do that <laughs> yeah they do i mean, you're going to get letters but uh, oh i the, hope I, it would be nice to get one you know at mtv <laughs> i used to actually get letters before email and there were hey, sacks and sacks
1: of mail in my dressing room there used to be a lot more mail i mean during the like just before the email thing became super popular which i i would kind of pin down around the year 2000 uh, I used to get lots of press releases. I'd be loaded with mail, and then it one day it just disappeared. I don't get a press release in the mail now. No. Well, I don't think the, I've seen one. Well, that's progress, I, I think. That's kind of progress. But I really
0: miss the old days when uh, you go on MTV and say, hey, send me a naked picture. And lo and behold, <laughs> they would show up. The audio guy, Rick Kelman, uh, was a good friend of mine. Um, so you know, sometimes he'd say, Hey man, could you just do audio and I can go take a shit? Because I had the only dressing room nearby with a with a toilet, and uh, so I'd be doing audio in the booth. And then he'd go and he'd open up my mail and literally 10, 12 postal sacks full. And it was just amazing to see the stuff that people would send. And I still had, I kept some of it, and cakes, and brownies, and other things I would not eat. Yeah, you don't want to eat that's stuff that's not, sent to send to you. A, from- not a good idea.
1: I didn't All think right, it was well, boring, John. I thought it was a really good show, personally. Okay, well, we'll have to we'll let the, the 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 readers decide. But you might you might want to prepare for next week. We have no agenda. I got the one <laughs> note that I made. Where is it? What is your one note? That I can find out who the guy with that BBC documentarian is. That guy with the voice that we're going to meet. It's something with a T. Have... It's uh... I'll get it. I'll get it. But he is great. He's he's done many good
0: documentaries that I would say. Uh, even David Icke
1: um, quotes him a lot for uh, the, the work he does. Mm. My David friend. Icke, yeah, your friend. We should go have lunch with him. I'm sure he'd love to. Maybe. Yeah, we can get him. We can, get him. We can ask him why he uses the, the, the pen name Dick. <laughs> yeah, D.I.C.K.E. <dot> <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs>
0: all right, all right, all right. So coming to you from the Curry Terrace, famous for its escape route out of
1: death-ridden London in Gitmo Nation East, I'm Adam Curry. John C. Dvorak here in northern Silicon Valley, also known as Gitmo Nation West, at least for the moment, until Obama changes it. We'll talk to you again next week right here on No Agenda.